Hi, and welcome to Follow's weekly message podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message inspires you and helps you to follow Jesus in your community for His glory. Here's the message. Well, today we're starting our Easter series, and I want to start by talking about when I first got my first ever full-time church ministry position. It happened at the end of 2005, and of course it's something that you will never forget, getting that first position in ministry. But another aspect I'll never forget about it is how it was actually announced to the church. I was stepping into the position of young adult pastor at a large church, and I was replacing a much-loved pastor who was being moved on. And in order to stage manage that, which is never a good idea, the senior pastor decided to come to a large youth and young adult event where we were raising money for the 40-hour famine. And so he came along to this event to make this announcement. He was going to announce it all together that night. And I'll never forget it because I've been leading in that young adult ministry. And so I had lots of friends and lots of peers that I've been leading with and alongside. And um, they would have been really excited um, for me and would love to celebrate stepping into a position such as that. But at the same time, the pastor that was leaving was much loved, and it was sure to be a huge shock for everyone there that evening. And so the senior pastor got up the front, and I think it was a bit strange that he was there for most people, and they were probably wondering, why is he here? But they soon found out, because he started by announcing that this much-loved existing pastor was moving on. Now, people thought this guy would be there forever. He was like one of the pillars of the church, and you know, people thought, he's just going to be around forever. He's our pastor. And so when he got up and announced that this guy was moving on, it was like a wave swept right across the room, starting from one side all across the other. And it was like this wave of shock as people were trying to absorb this information to take in what was going on and why this was happening. And you could hear a pin drop, a little bit like here this morning. You can hear a pin drop, right? And it was just awkward with a capital A. Then in the very next breath, he said, and I'd also like to announce that Luke Williams will be our new young adult pastor. The congregation was still reeling from the first announcement, and now they had to absorb this second one. And at the end of the night, it was a really, really weird feeling. People didn't know where to look or what to say. And so I was watching people after the service. Obviously, it was a big night for me as well. And I, I watched people going over to the guy leaving, and they're like, oh, I'm so sorry you're going. I can't believe you're moving on. We're going to miss you so much. And, and then they would sneak over to me and kind of go, he's not looking. Congratulations. It's awesome. You know, fist bump, high five, a bit subdued. But they didn't want to make a big deal of it because it was kind of awkward with two people at different ends of the spectrum in the room. People didn't know how to feel, and it was a room full of mixed emotions. Today we're launching our Easter series, and I think sometimes Easter is a little bit like that. In some faith traditions, it's a real somber affair where people are mourning the suffering, the pain, and the injustice that Jesus endured. For others, it's a really joyful celebration. They sort of say, well, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming, and we know the end of the story, and so let's celebrate the victory that Jesus won for us over the power of sin and death. And both of those responses are completely valid at Easter time, completely understandable. I mean, how can we possibly consider the horrors of the cross of Calvary and the pain and anguish suffered by Jesus without feeling sad, 
without feeling that, that sense of mourning, the fact that he paid a price for us that he did not deserve to pay. It's heartbreaking. Have you ever seen the passion of the Christ and that crucifixion scene? It, it breaks your heart. It's humbling. It stirs up feelings of, of anger to remember that. And if we don't feel sad about the unjust death that Jesus paid at Easter time, we're underappreciating the price he paid in laying down his life. But at the same time, Easter is also a time of great celebration. We do know how the story ends. And as we flick to the end of this book and we read the end of the story, there is so much that we have to be thankful for, for all that Jesus has done. We've got so much to look forward to in the future. We have so many reasons for joy. And so it is a time of great celebration because in the end, Jesus has won the battle against the devil and darkness eternally. I think the tension is captured magnificently by C.S. Lewis, particularly in the movie version of The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. Our family recently re-watched Narnia together. And that scene where Aslan, the great lion, dies is one of the great movie scenes. If you've seen it, you'll know the white witch who represents Satan and then all the revolting, grotesque creatures that follow her around that kind of represent all the demons are there as Aslan is tied to the altar and killed. And as his great lion is killed, the, the white witch and all these creatures are squealing and screeching and celebrating what they see as a great moment of victory. They finally conquered the great lion. But what they don't realize is that the scene of Satan's greatest victory was simultaneously the scene of his most crushing defeat. And so we have this powerful scene where both of those things are merging together at the same time. Because we know as Jesus stretched out his hands and died on the cross and said, it is finished in his death and resurrection, he conquered the power of sin and death that cripples us as human beings and he's now set us free to be new creations in him. And so if you're here this morning and you've put your faith in Jesus, you need to know that your identity is this, that you are forgiven, that you have been redeemed, that you are a new creation. And it's a wonderful thing to remember at Easter time. And I tell you, church, it should get us up out of our seats. It should get us lifting our voices and our hands in praise and worship to our King. And I often wonder, why is it that we can go to the football and we can jump out of our seat and we can yell and scream and get excited? Not last night, but other weeks when you go to the footy, you can get all excited. You can yell at the umpire and there's passion and there's enthusiasm. And then we come to church on a Sunday morning to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the name above every name, the one that gave his life for us. And we stand there in worship going, I wonder what's for lunch. It's going a bit long. All this worship stuff. I don't think we're going to get to heaven one day and Jesus is going to say, you know what, you just did, you went a bit overboard with the worship. <laughs> but I reckon he might say, where was the passion in worship? We have so much to be thankful for. And so if we can get pumped about our footy team, if we can celebrate the promotion we got at work, if we can get excited about the holiday we're looking forward to, then surely at Easter we should be the most passionate, joyful and grateful people on the planet because Jesus is not dead. He is alive. And that is what Easter is all about. Jesus' 
death, His sacrifice for us, but His glorious resurrection. And so we can celebrate at Easter time. But as you can see, it's a time of mixed emotions. I think the great hymn writer, Isaac Watts, probably said it best when he said, Did ever such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich a crown? What powerful words. And it captures what Easter is like. And this is what we face each Easter time, mixed emotions of something that is gruesome, and glorious at exactly the same time. For some, it's a festival of mourning. For others, it's a festival of celebration. And both of those are valid. And so I wonder, how do you feel at Easter time? Because I think there's one word in that hymn that ties the grotesqueness of Good Friday and the gloriousness of Easter Sunday together, and it's the word love. Easter is a festival of mourning. It's a festival of celebration. But most of all, it's a festival of love. I think my PowerPoint's uh, stopped working here. Paul might have to help me get that going again. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. God is love. And this is what we're reminded of in the most powerful and profound way at Easter time, that Easter is a festival of divine love. And it's not love as we might think. Because in the process of his death and resurrection, Jesus redefined love. That's the first thing I want you to remember this Easter time. If you're a note taker, write this down. Jesus redefined love. You know, love's a confusing word at times, isn't it? particularly in the English language, because it has so many different applications. I've said this before, but I absolutely love my wife. Isn't she beautiful? What's not to love? She's amazing. I'm so grateful to God. She loves it when I do this. Uh, So grateful to God for my wife every single day. She is such an incredible gift to me. She's beautiful inside and out. And I love my wife. And I love peanut butter. Which one do I love more? We have to ask him when I'm eating toast and when I'm not eating toast. I'm not sure, but you know, don't you, that I love my wife more, right? But it's the exact same word, right? I love my wife. I love peanut butter. I love fishing. I love taking photos of God's beautiful creation. I love that feeling when you get in a hot shower at the end of a hard day. I love my kids Absolutely love my kids. They're awesome. This morning we had a difficult time because our eight-year-old son, we had to let him know that his hermit crab had died. And tears were streaming down his eyes. And that was just for me. For him as well, he was pretty upset too. But, you know, you love your kids and you want to be there in those moments. Annika, one of our daughters, made some props for this message today. And I am so blessed to have the kids that we've got. They're awesome. I love my kids. Man, I love these jeans. (laughs) They make my legs look so good. Um... I love these jeans. You know, I love our church and I love the smell of a fresh bag of coffee beans, particularly Bermuda coffee, of course. Lockie, a free bag coming my way. I love God with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. And man, I love chocolate. You get the point, don't you? Same word. 
Exactly the same word, so many different applications, so many different levels of intensity and emotion attached. We have one word for love. The other thing I've noticed about love is that love in our world can be a little bit fickle at times. Seems to be a love that comes and goes based on feelings and circumstances. People fall in love, don't they? And then they quickly fall out of love. It comes and it goes and it seems to happen fairly quickly. And it's a love we see often in movies, isn't it? The Hollywood version of love. You complete me. This kind of thing. It's this, this sort of superficial kind of love, the love we hear about in our society. Often the love we experience in life is a love with strings attached. And I can think off the top of my head three strings that we attach to our love. The first one is this, that I will love you if. I'll love you if. Let's start again. I will love you if you just go over my head when you're meant to. This is all part of the plan. Thank you. Thank you, mate. Oh, I can't get it right either. <laughs> Any other helpers? There you go. Thank you, mate. I will love you if. I'll love you if you like the things I like. I'll love you if you believe all the things I believe. I'll love you if you meet my expectations. String number one, I'll love you if. Second string is I'll love you when. I'll love you when. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'll love you when you change. I'll love you when you grow up. I'll love you when you prove yourself. I'll love you when it's convenient or I feel like I'll love you if it's easy. I'll love you if you love me. I'll love you when. Third string, I love you because. I'll love you because. I'll love you because of the way you look. I'll love you because of the things you do. I'll love you because I'm meant to. I'll love you because you're nice to me. I'll love you because on our wedding day, I said I'll love you. And if it changes, I'll let you know. I'll love you because I'll love you if. I'll love you when. I'll love you because. It's love with strings attached. Jesus at the cross of Calvary redefines what true love is. And this is what we remember at Easter, that it's not if, it's not when, it's not because, it's while. <laughs> while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I want you to get this this morning. It's not if, it's not when, it's not because. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We hadn't proved ourselves. We weren't even seeking him. We didn't deserve it. We weren't all cleaned up first, looking nice and shiny, got our lives all together. It wasn't dependent on what we did or didn't do. It didn't hinge on how good or bad we thought we were. It wasn't whether we saw our life as a success or a failure. In fact, it was when we're all failing. 
We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And while we were still sinners in our weakness, despite all of our shortcoming, Christ died for us. Jesus redefined what love looks like. That's why Easter time, week one, we're focusing on love redefined. Because if we get our version of love from what we observe in our world, we'll never truly experience or express the kind of love that Jesus died for us to experience and to express. And so when it comes to love, we should no longer conform to the patterns of this world. But we should be transformed by the renewing of our minds and the example of our Saviour who redefines love when He says, I love you this much, this much. No greater love than this, than to lay your life down for your friends. Jesus doesn't love you because He doesn't love you when. He doesn't love you if. He loves you because He is love. If you're in this room today hearing my voice or watching on a TV or computer screen and you feel that you're completely unlovable, if you believe that you're all alone, if you feel like you don't have a friend in the world, I want you to know that you were formed in your mother's womb by a God who loves you in the most extraordinary way and with the most extravagant love. His love, his love is not like the love we've settled for. It's a love that flows from the very essence and character of who God is. And he's a God who doesn't just love, he's a God who is love. And through the life, death and resurrection of his son, he has lavished his love upon each one of us. That's a glorious thing to remember every day, but particularly at Easter. This love is so powerful, we don't have a single word in the English language that truly captures it. You see, our word love is a word that's one size fit all. We can use it for peanut butter toast or we can use it for our wife or we can use it for God. But it's the same word and it's meant to fit all of these different applications, but it falls short. The word love has been so corrupted and has become so common that it means very little. And so it's helpful to go to the Greek language of the New Testament to help us better understand because the Greek language doesn't have one word for love. It has several it's a much more expressive and descriptive language than English. And so it has one word for friendship love, which is the word philia. And so if I'm a friend, we have that kind of love between us. It has another love for sexual love. That's eros love. It has love that's a kind of playful love. That's ludus love. It has a long-standing love, which is pragma love. But when it comes to the Scriptures describing God as love, there's only one word that's adequate, and it's the word agape. Agape love is a love that is self-sacrificial and unconditional, and it comes directly from God himself. Agape love. An incredible love. Love that is redefined love and expressed most powerfully at the cross. And at the moment we accept the sacrifice of Jesus who died in our place for our sins, we are enveloped by an inescapable agape love. The love of God. Listen to how this reality is described in the book of Romans. We sang about it this morning. It says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, not height nor depth, 
nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus. There is nothing that can hold us back. When we put our faith in Jesus, there is nothing in this life, on this earth, that can ever hold us back from His love. It's an incredible love to be living in. It defines who we are. It shapes our identity. We are children of the living God, deeply and dearly loved by a Saviour that would die in our place. What an incredible truth that is. Jesus was love made flesh. Jesus doesn't stretch out his hands only on the cross. He also stretches his arms around us and he invites us into this love. This unconditional, self-sacrificial, agape love. And if I could describe Easter with three words, it would be these words. He loves us. He loves you. He loves me. He loves us. What a beautiful truth that is. Jesus redefined love. But not only did he redefine love, he redefined our love. A number of years ago, a Christian book was released. It was called The Love Dare. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it came from a movie called Fireproof. And this book was designed primarily for married couples. And each day it had a daily devotion, a scripture to learn, a statement of principle, and a daily dare to express love called a love dare. And it went for 40 days. The idea was to enrich your marriage, you would go through this book and each day you would do a love dare. So on day one, it talked about love being patient. The scripture was Ephesians 4.2. And the challenge was to demonstrate patience and say nothing negative to your spouse at all for the next 24 hours. It's the first love dare. Day 10 was all about love being unconditional. Romans 5.8 was the passage. The dare was to do something out of the ordinary that proves to your spouse that your love is based on your choice and nothing else. And so for 40 days, you went through these love dares and it was kind of transformative because it caused you to reflect daily on how you could demonstrate and express your love to one another. At Easter time, we have the perfect demonstration of love. And in Christ, we receive this life-changing love through a relationship with Him. But the love of Christ is not just to be kept for ourselves, so we become these kind of fat Christians that just hoard all of God's love for ourselves. The whole idea is that Jesus has poured this love into our lives so that it would flow from us to the world around us. It's a love that is given. Blessed are those who receive, but also blessed are those who give. My life verse for this year is John chapter 7, verse 38. Jesus says, Anyone who believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from them. I want to be a person. I want us to be a church who not only receives the love of Jesus, but that love becomes a river of living water that flows from our lives into the lives of others because Jesus has redefined how we are to love one another. I love what he says in John fifteen twelve. He said, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. I want you to notice the word there, command. My command. Command's a word that has gravity to it, isn't it? He doesn't say, my suggestion is that you love each other as I've loved you. He doesn't say, if you feel like it or when it's convenient, love each other like I have loved you. He doesn't give us an out and say, unless you're too busy. Because we're all too busy, right? How you going? Busy. Unless you're too busy, 
Well, then love each other as I have loved you. No, 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 no. He says, my command, my command as the people of God is that you love each other as I have loved you. How did he love us? By laying his life down for us on a Roman cross, by taking our sin upon himself and dying in our place. Incredible self-sacrifice. And he says, now go and love people in the same way. And so I know what you're probably thinking this morning. What does that look like? Jesus died on a cross for us. We don't have to die on a cross for anyone else. So what does this kind of love look like? If it's not dying on a cross, what is it? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because Scripture defines it in great detail, what agape love looks like. In 1 Corinthians 13, a well-known passage of Scripture. If you've been to a wedding, you would have heard it for sure. It's the wedding verse at nearly every wedding you go to. In fact, I conducted a wedding yesterday, and guess what passage they wanted me to talk on? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And it says, love is patient. I'm just making you wait. <laughs> love is kind. Doesn't envy. Doesn't boast. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love, that kind of love, never fails. You may want to write that passage out this week. Usually in my sermons, I cut and paste passages into the notes. But this week, I read that passage from Scripture and I typed it out word for word so that it sunk into my spirit. Because I think it's a great checklist for us to evaluate in our own lives how we're going when it comes to loving others. The question I have is this. What if we were to be more deliberate with our love this Easter? What if Christians right around the world were known for their love? Not for what we stand against, not for what we're unhappy about, not for the things that we squabble over amongst ourselves, not for being judgmental or hypocritical. Imagine if I could go down to the mainstream of Pakenham today with a microphone and said, what do you think when I say the word Christians? And instead of saying irrelevant, outdated, judgmental, hypocritical, they said, love. When I think of a Christian, the first word that comes to mind is love. The way they love one another. The way they love their neighbour. Love. What if we were known for our love? What if the world knew we were his disciples by the way we loved one another? What if Jesus' festival of love was to become our festival of love this Easter time? Because this year at Follow, we don't want Easter to be passive. We come and we enjoy a service and we go home and we have some hot cross buns and some Easter eggs and we go, oh good, we tick off Easter for the year. We don't want Easter to be passive. We want Easter to be active. And so from the extraordinary love of Christ, we want to express his extravagant love to the world. And so this year we're going to have a love challenge. A love challenge for our church community. We're not going to call it the love dare because that would be a breach of copyright. I, I know there's no copyright in the kingdom, but we don't want to breach it anyway. We're not going to do that. And we are much more creative and original than just take the words love dare and, and reuse that, right? So we've come up with a different thing. Okay, This year we're going to do 
the love share. <laughs> Creative. Amazing. I know. Hold your applause. We're going to do the love share. And here's the, the tag for this year. Share the love by doing a love share this Easter. It's a love share. And so this is what we're going to do. We're going to challenge one another. We're going to spur one another onto faith and good deeds, as Scripture says that we're to do. And we're going to share the stories within our own lives as a way of encouraging the community. And we would love everyone here today to get involved, absolutely every person. And I want you to imagine for a moment what a difference it could make in our local community if everybody sitting in this room today, every person watching on live stream, made a decision this Easter, I'm going to prayerfully think about how I can love and bless my neighbours, how I can share the good news of Easter, how I can make a difference in people's lives. Imagine if every one of us was to do it. I reckon this community could be impacted in a significant way. A love share can be any deliberate action that expresses Christ's love to someone else this Easter. It might be taking out someone for coffee who you find a little bit difficult. Maybe they don't have many friends. Maybe they're lonely. Maybe this Easter you take them out for a coffee and you show them patient love. Maybe it's reconciling with someone you've held a grudge against for years because true love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Maybe it's showing your love through writing someone a letter, expressing your gratitude for them. Maybe it's connecting with your next door neighbour who you've never met before by inviting them over for a coffee or a meal or going for a walk. Maybe it's asking a friend to come to an Easter service next weekend. Maybe it's taking someone a meal if they're doing it tough. Perhaps it's spending time with a friend. Maybe it's putting an Easter egg in the letterboxes of all of your neighbours with a short note about Easter. It could be honouring someone, telling them you care, or sharing your faith. It could be writing a card, giving a gift, or saying something complimentary. It could be surprising someone, shouting someone, or caring for someone. Any of those things and many other millions of ideas that you can come up with, this year I want to encourage you to prayerfully think about how you can share the love of Christ with someone in your life this year. And so to get involved, all you need to do is to do it and then share on the discipleship page the thing you've done this Easter. And so we've got a Follow BC Discipleship page on Facebook. The link's on the screen. If you're not part of it, it's, part of, it's for people in our community to be part of and we share encouraging stuff on there from time to time. And so you can go on there. You might want to post a video. You might want to post a little post and just share what you're doing this Easter. Not as a way of saying, look at me, aren't I amazing? But a way to say, hey, we're in this together. Let's encourage one another. Let's spur one another on towards faith and good deeds this Easter time. If you don't have Facebook, if you're one of the people that is still left on the planet without Facebook and you want to get involved, maybe you're not part of our community, you're not part of the discipleship page, you can simply email us at admin at follow.church. And the idea is we're going to take in these stories and on Easter Sunday we're going to share the love and the ways the community's been impacted in the way that we've served our community this year. So is anyone not clear with the idea? Is anyone excited about it? Is anyone going to do it? You know, because we want to see a festival of love this year, right? Have you ever been to a festival with two people? So me and another staff member post a video and you go, oh, that's nice. Have you ever gone to a festival with a little party popper and it's just you and some other random person? You go, isn't this fun? <laughs> festival. That's not a festival. A festival is where everyone goes, right? Everyone's excited. There's a buzz. There's an energy. People are contributing. People are enjoying it. People are passionate. That's a festival, right? And so we want a festival of love this year. A festival is more than two people. 
Festivals, a lot of people. And so let's get involved in the little things, in the big things, get active, get proactive. And I think we could make a difference in our community this Easter time. And as we hear stories, I'm sure each of us will be encouraged and prayerful about how we could express love. And so remember this Easter time that Jesus redefined love, but he also redefined our love so that through us we could reveal him to the world. Because Easter is a festival of mourning. It's a festival of celebration. But most of all, it's a festival of love. Let's bow our heads and we're going to pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for Easter time. Lord, we acknowledge today that there are mixed emotions at this time of year. Lord, we are heartbroken and devastated that, that you died on the cross in our place, an unjust, cruel death on a Roman cross, spat on, beaten, whipped, betrayed. Lord, our hearts break that you died because of our sin. And Lord, we repent of that and we say thank you so much for your sacrificial death that we remember on Good Friday and every day of our lives. But Lord, we also acknowledge it's a wonderful time of year too because we do have victory and we do have hope because you didn't stay in the grave and on the third day you rose from death to life, giving us the hope that one day the same thing will happen for us. So Lord, we just want to praise you this Easter time. Acknowledge your sacrifice. Thank you for the gift of God, your Son. And so Lord, as we go into Easter this time, Easter time, Lord, it's a busy time. School's finishing up this week. There's lots to get done. Family coming over, meals to prepare, all those things. And they can come and they can suck away our energy, but more importantly, our affection and our attention on what it should be on, the cross of Jesus Christ, the tomb that's empty. And so, Lord, this year, we don't want to be passive in our love. Lord, from the love you poured into our lives, Lord, may it overflow from us to people around us in a way that they would be drawn to you as a saviour that we'll be able to share your story this Easter time in profound ways. And sometimes it happens through a little action, proactive, prayerful. We ask, Lord God, for great stories of being able to share your love and for lives that are changed as we invest in relationship with people around us. And so we want to thank you. And I pray that you fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit as we go into this week and as we share your love with the world around us. We pray this in the powerful and the life-changing name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said... Thanks for joining us for our weekly message. If you live in the southeastern suburbs of Melbourne, we'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning service. All the information can be found on our website, follow.church. You can also follow us on social media at Follow Baptist Church.